This is the Best of the Adam Gold Show podcast, brought to you by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. This is the Adam Gold Show. Dennis, do you ever wonder how wild it is when you say something out loud and then your phone then gives you, like, all of a sudden you get an email for, like, you know, we're walking around. You know what? You know what we should do? We should, we should replace windows. And then all of a sudden you, you're, you're surfing the, you're, you're on your phone and all of a sudden uh, a pop-up ad shows up for windows. Yeah. Right? What are you talking about? We were just talking about Iki Aquanu, were we not? Yeah. Okay. So from uh, Pro Football Focus. Okay. Analytics website. All right. Literally, it just now popped up in my Twitter feed. All right. Best pass blockers in week eight. Iki Aquanu was second. Nice. In week eight. There you go. So. They're listening. Apparently. But the real reason I wanted to bring it up was simply... If the learning curve is starting to level off for Icky and he is starting to become what they hoped he would be maybe a little earlier, then that is an enormous development mm-hmm. for, for the Panthers' offensive line because, frankly, in the first several weeks of the season, it was like watching a turnstile. He just can repeatedly got buried yeah. at left tackle. He was obviously a very good run blocker, but he was just getting worked by defensive ends and edge rushers. So it would be an awesome development for them if he was really starting to get the pass blocking thing. He's a wonderful athlete. He's a great young guy. So I hope it works out for him. I hope for the Panthers too. Uh, a little breaking news here. Oh, we have more breaking news. Yes. This one's legit. It's not NFL related. It's not or football related. Uh, did, was there? Did, did the Johnsons make another trade? <laughs> yes, they uh, traded a bag of balls and some driving well, range tokens. If any team was going to uh, trade a, a bag of balls, it would have been the Johnsons. Uh, Nets fire Steve Nash. Okay. Yeah. I wonder if it had anything to do with that stupid statement he made last night. Hmm. <laughs> We're all trying to learn. Blah blah blah. blah. You know, trying to soften the Kyrie Irving crap. Yeah. Like, you know what would be okay, Steve? If you simply called out the BS. Mm-hmm. Did you watch, I mean, I hate to get involved, you know, deviate from what we were going to do, but did you watch any of the Kyrie post-game show? Oh, the back and forth with the reporter and all that stuff? Yeah, I did see it. Forget about the back and forth with yeah. the reporter, which the reporter was 100% right Kyrie didn't answer the question, and he tried to backtrack on all of his other stuff mm-hmm. uh, by trying to say, well, well, I'm not so influential. Three minutes ago, you just said how influential you were. Yeah, his so platform. which one is it, Kyrie? But here's the thing that bothered me about that is that for however many minutes prior to that argument, essentially, it was not a shouting match, but it was clearly a disagreement between Nick Friedel from ESPN and Kyrie Irving. Kyrie went on this, I mean, long explanation for why what he said or what he wrote or what he thought is okay and this and this and all of the things he, like, and if you had to read the transcript, 
you would it would be a maze with no end. It would you just kept you would just keep running into a dead end. Mm-hmm. There is no way to get from point A to point B in the maze. There was zero meaning in that. He's just spewing words that sounded good, and I'm like, what are you talking about? And then he wouldn't answer the question about promoting what is a movie that spouts anti-Semitic tropes and wouldn't even admit that by putting it on his Twitter feed and his Instagram and attaching a link to the movie that you were promoting the movie. Right? Yeah. Which is a simple thing. And even if we're playing semantics here, it's and and you say, well, I wasn't promoting it. I was like, no, man, you were promoting it. You weren't necessarily endorsing it. See this movie, but you were promoting other people watching it. And it would, and if it was, you know, you need to make up your own mind. No, it wasn't that. You agreed with it, and you sort of said you agreed with it during that. I don't know, five minute ramble. I was listening to uh, Bomani Jones podcast yesterday. And I think Bo's right. If the Nets have any chance to survive this, they have to, they basically have to waive Kyrie. Yeah. They're not winning with Kyrie and Kevin Durant. And the on court issues that they have are real. Not with Kyrie and Durant. But Ben Simmons cannot help them win. Cannot. He's he's just unwilling to play on the offensive end of the court. And right now, when I've watched the Nets, and it's not like I've seen every game, I keep seeing him guard centers. What good is that? <laughs> what, what good is that? I mean, I, try, I saw him try to guard Giannis, and Giannis just kept backing him down and pounding him underneath the rim. Mm-hmm. That's no good. That's not where Ben Simmons is best used. Either way, the Nets are a absolute train wreck. And Durant really doesn't want to be there now. You should move Durant. Whatever you can get for him, get for him. They got to start over. And you start over by getting rid of your biggest headache. And in a city like New York, I used to joke, when the Knicks signed Amari Stoudemire, Amari Stoudemire came to New York from Phoenix. Mm -hmm. And I have no idea whether it's real or not because I didn't really dig into it. But Amari, through his own heritage, found out that part of his family was Jewish. Okay. And I, I mean, I was half joking about this, but it's it probably works out. What could be better than a really good player coming to New York and telling the world that he was Jewish? There's a lot of, I mean, the Jewish population in New York, in Southern California, is pretty big. And a lot of the fans that go to Knicks games are also Jewish. It it just stands like, hey, that's a great, what a great move for Amari Stoudemire. Just to announce to the world, like, whatever. 
So Kyrie playing this game in Brooklyn with, I think, the largest like orthodox, orthodox Jewish population in the entire United States is one of the dumbest things that you could ever do. It damages your franchise. I mean, the, the Nets, I don't know why they've let it go this long. I know the owner, Joe Sy, condemned the comments. Mm-hmm. And then you had Steve Nash come out. You have the play the clip from Steve Nash. We're obviously not doing what I wanted to do. We'll do it. We'll do it a little bit later. We'll do it at two o'clock, I guess. Uh, but here's what Steve Nash had to say yesterday. I guess it was after the Nets beat the Pacers uh, for their, I think, their second win of the year. You know, I just hope that uh, we all grow through this together. You know, there's uh, there's always a, an opportunity for us to grow and understand new perspectives uh, i think the organization is uh is trying to take that stance where they're going to communicate through this and and try to all come out in a better position and more with more understanding and uh you know more empathy for uh every side of this debate and, and situation it's not a debate <laughs> yeah. it's, it's just not a debate like i'm i'm sure that didn't have anything to do with why steve nash got fired but if you're firing your firing your coach Seven games into the season, he shouldn't have been your coach. That was the mistake the Nets made. Adam Golden Studio with my man, Coach Pete DeRuta, Capital Financial Advisory Group. You have a 401k, but you're changing jobs. You're taking that 401k with you. Next step. Well, a lot of people leave it behind, which is not a good thing. I mean, if you're not at the company anymore, your 401k shouldn't either. And that's when it's time for my 401k survival Oh, oh look box at that. Set. You see it right here. i got workbooks, <laughs> guidebooks, DVDs in here that explain everything about your 401k. More importantly, how to build a lifetime income. It's a $300 value. I'm also going to give you a total retirement plan, which is a $1,000 value for the next 18 of you who call right now. No cost or obligation. Call. 888-843-0013 or text Adam to 600-700. Adam Gold is a paid spokesman. Investment advisory services offered by Capital Financial Advisory Group, a North Carolina registered investment advisor. Did you ever watch Soul Train? Oh, the movie? No, no, no. The TV show hosted by Don Cornelius Oh no. back in the day. It was a good 70s, maybe it stretched into the early 80s. It was like a uh, late night... Uh, Basically, it's a music show. They'd bring in acts to lip sync their songs, uh, and people would dance to it. Everybody was lip syncing back in the day. There was no, people weren't doing anything live. Uh, But that just reminded me of something you would have seen on uh, Soul Train. Uh, I'm sure Ross Martin of Inside Carolina has no idea what Soul Train is, but Google it. And, a, and you'll gain an appreciation for my reference. Ross Martin is joining us to talk about Drake May and the pursuit of the Heisman Trophy. Uh, I saw you tweeting about this, and I appreciate you doing that because it got me thinking, and I appreciate anything that gets me thinking, at Ross Martin underscore IC. We can agree that he's not going to win the Heisman Trophy, but that doesn't mean he shouldn't, right? Yeah, I mean, I think right now he's top five. Um, I think he, you know, if UNC keeps winning, I think it's important. And he's putting the numbers he is. There's a pretty good chance we'll get invited to New York where they usually invite, you know, three, four people uh, usually. So I think he is among that group with um, with Hidden Hooker at Tennessee, Greensboro native Hidden Hooker at Tennessee, uh, C.J. Stroud's having a great season, Bryce Young, who won it last year, is also in the mix there. So I think those are your top four potential guys right now. I mean, the way he's playing, his numbers stack up 
as well as anyone. The loss to Notre Dame stands out because a lot of those teams are undefeated still. Um, but it's it's amazing. And, you know, we talk about numbers what we want, but just the eye test, man. His his arm, his ability to move his pocket to make plays for UNC has been incredible this season. It's, it's been unbelievable how good he is so quickly, I think. Well, I agree 100% with everything you just said. Here's the thing. His numbers are every bit as good as all of those players, and better than some, than all those players you mentioned. You know, the num- he and C.J. Stroud essentially have the same numbers. And there's really not that much of a difference between his numbers and Hendon Hooker's numbers. Um, they, are, they are all spectacular. Uh, yes, of course, Drake May has to win because ultimately if he's not winning games, uh, your Heisman Trophy chances don't exist. It's as though you can't be the best player in college football if your team loses three times, which doesn't make a ton of sense to me as a voter. I also don't think you have to be a quarterback, but in this case we are talking about a bunch of quarterbacks. Um, what has been the most surprising thing for you, Ross Martin, watching now a little bit more than halfway through his freshman season? Yeah, it's how good he is so quickly. I mean, look, he is already better than Sam Howell. And Sam Howell was the best quarterback in UNC history. And so he held that title for, what, eight months, seven months? <laughs> um, and then Drake May took it over, I guess, a month ago about. Um, and just, I mean, the difference between him and Sam Howell is, is Drake May 6'5". I think that makes a little bit of difference. Yeah. And his ability to throw on the run. And the, you know, Sam was a better D-ball thrower. But Drake's ability to make NFL throws across the field, across his body, whipping it um, to the sideline, those, those big outs, you know, the, 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 you know, across the field, 30 yards. Those are the, the plays, the throws the NFL scouts look for. And he's on target. I remember I covered his recruitment, uh, or at least, you know, monitored his recruitment um, with Don Callahan here at Inside Carolina. Mm-hmm. And what Don always told me is he was always so, so accurate. That was his big thing coming out of high school. And you're seeing how accurate he is. He rarely misses only three interceptions against 29 passing touchdowns. Um, it's, it's been incredible. So how quickly he's just become such a spectacular, fantastic player in just eight games as a redshirt freshman at UNC. I don't want to make this all about Drake May because I want to talk about something else that I know you have been uniquely aware of. Uh, we're talking with Ross Martin at Inside Carolina at Ross Martin underscore IC. Um, I think the the fact also that he hasn't had a the running game has not been great, and normally for young quarterbacks they rely on a running game, so that hasn't been there, and for the most part they haven't had a full complement of wide receivers now. Antoine Green is emerging as a absolute beast uh, opposite Josh Downs. They're two very different re- uh, receivers, although Downs can do anything. But I think his work to the tight ends has also been impressive. Yeah, I mean, it's a great point. He missed Antoine Green for the first three games and had uh, without Josh Downs in two games. And, you know, against Appalachian State, you saw players step up like Kobe Paythor and players like that. And, and the tight ends, it's a great point. I mean, he's had. The tight ends have kind of been a, a revelation for UNC this season. But I think Josh Downs is very, very special. I think UNC and Drake May will miss him next year. So they do have an advantage of having, I think, one of the you know one of the top five receivers in the country. Uh, he's so quick. He's, he's so crisp and just such a um, precision route runner. And yeah, you mentioned Antoine Green. He's, he's been great, but UNC was without him for three games, too. Yeah. So, you know, he's made it work. He spreads the ball around. You know, you're, you're, he'll – 
throw and, and complete passes to 10 different receivers, three of which are usually some of the tight ends. There's three guys they roll out there. So a credit to him, but also credit to Phil Longo. And Phil Longo's kind of done it now uh, for four years with two different quarterbacks. And he's proven to be one of the better offensive coordinators in the country um, in terms of production and, and use that air raid offense. So uh, I think a lot of credit goes to, to Longo, too, for kind of what he's been able to do with different guys in different places this season. All right, let's get to the other part of the Tar Heels that maybe people have not paid attention. And Mac Brown sort of explained this, I don't know how many weeks ago, three or four weeks ago, when he basically said, look, the cake is baked. Our defense is going to be bad, and it's going to be bad all season in the rankings. But he said, that doesn't mean we can't get better. So whether it's the competition or not, and I'm not saying it is, I think the Tar Heels have gotten better. Where has the improvement been and document to show your work is what I'm telling you, Ross Martin. Yeah, so it was a tweet I saw recently. I think it was either Brian Ives or David Hale. Something about in ACC games in the second half, UNC has only allowed 28 points across four ACC games. So the adjustments in the, um, in the second half have been pretty solid. Yeah, you're right. This defense is, is not great. It's average at best. It's getting a little bit better. They're getting better, and then they kind of had a, a letdown against Duke. Um, you know, they were better against Virginia Tech, but then Miami threw for over 500 yards against, against them. So, at this point, it kind of is what it is. Um, they make some opportune stops. You know, the forced fumble against Pitt was a big-time game-changer yeah. in the second half for UNC. Um, they're making some stops. Uh, you know, in the red zone, a, a, was it? it was a, like a – goal line stand against Miami and they took the ball 99 yards the other way. That was a big stop. Things like that. And that's the bend, don't break um, off a defense of, of Gene Chizik. And it's kind of proving true this season. They're doing really well in um, like just total points for the defense is allowing in ACC play. That's been a lot, a lot more improved compared to like what they did against Appalachian State. So look, it's not great, but if they can hold a team to like 24, 25, maybe under 30 points, the offense is going to score 35-40, and that's what you need to win. So you complement a great offense with Drake May with an okay, maybe improving defense that's kind of getting to where it needs to be, and I think UNC is going to keep winning. Uh, they did lose three three starters now on defense, on the defensive line, with Noah Taylor out, uh, Raven Hasek out a week ago, and also Desmond Evans out. So they're going to have to replace three stars on the defensive line heading up to Virginia for the rest of the season. That, that was a pretty big hit to have three guys knocked out, too. So that's a little concerning. Yeah, especially for the rest of the season with, you know, Wake Forest looming the following week. And Wake, uh, my, my, I, don't, I don't think Wake's going to turn it over eight times in the second half anymore. I, do, I just I can't imagine seeing that. I still can't believe that I saw eight turnovers out of nine possessions and six of them out of seven possessions from Sam Howell. I'm, he's he's had some implosions before, but nothing quite like that. Ross Martin, inside Carolina, is joining us. Uh, look, it shouldn't be a problem against Virginia. And also, part of the bend but don't break, which has always been interesting to me because, I mean, I think there's a philosophy to it. I don't know that bend but don't break is the right way to put it, but I think just not trusting, especially college offenses, to just methodically go down the field, inherently everybody gets impatient and tries to do something they shouldn't do rather than just simply do what works. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, was there a question there? Not really, just the statement that I wanted you to react to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think the big thing with, with Gene Sizik is limiting explosive plays. Yeah. Um, I think they've done better at that. And I think, yeah, so keep, keep everything in front of you, you know, play that zone. And I think that the veterans and seniors are getting a little bit better. I think, you know, holding a team to a field goal is a huge win in, in this world of explosive offenses. Like, the offenses have the advantage. In, in college football now. They're going to score points. It's a, it's a different world. So holding a team to a field goal is, is really a win, and you can build on that. And um, so I think it, I think they are getting a little bit better. And I, look, Dean Chizik, you know, people ragging on him after Appalachian State. But, I mean, he, he knows football. He's been around the block. He's very steady. He's very consistent. He's very methodical. He's very calm. And I think that mentality over the last four or five games has paid off. Um, and they got some good players back there too. I mean, Cedric Gray is having an all ACC type season at linebacker. Power Eccles is pretty solid too. So mm-hmm. um, we'll see. But I, yeah, I think you're right. I think Wake Forest will be the, a tough game. Uh, NC State as well. They have Virginia and Georgia Tech also on the schedule. Yeah, I mean, just to illustrate the point, you, you mean you said you know limiting explosive plays. The the truth of the matter is that if you force a college offense to just take what you are giving them invariably they will make mistakes. I mean, Duke probably wins the game if they don't commit the illegal shift on third, what, four, was it third and two? If they don't commit the illegal shift on third and two, they pick up the first down. And then the next yep. play before the chop block, didn't they throw a touchdown pass, right? On the next play? Yes, they got called back. Right, call back. So that's fine. That's what's going to happen to college teams. So if you don't, if you, eliminate the chunk plays, invariably your defense, no matter how many yards you give up. And that's probably the better way to do it in college because, as you said, there's just no way to stop college offenses because we have quarterbacks like Drake May and a lot of teams have good wide receivers because there are good wide receivers everywhere and Carolina's got two great ones. Uh, Should be fun. Uh, How optimistic are you for uh, a win out by the Tar Heels? Yeah, that'd be interesting to see what the odds are on that. Um, I, you know, you feel a lot better uh, winning uh, with NC State at home on Black Friday with uh, Devin Leary out. But I don't know. Those, those Wolfpack fans seem to, seem to love MJ Morris. I think at Wake Forest is going to be super hard. Um, you know, I think Virginia and Georgia Tech, you, we would assume they're going to be favored and will win those games. But at Wake Forest, that's a game I would circle is the deciding factor in, in yep. UNC's future schedule. I will say this. You mentioned kind of the Duke game. UNC's gotten kind of lucky this season, too. They were unlucky in past seasons. Yeah. They've been lucky this season. And that's Max thing about you, you lose big, you lose small, like it was last season. And now they're starting to win small and win a little bit bigger. And that's kind of the progression of rebuilding a program there. It'll be interesting to see. And, I mean, all my UNC buddies have their uh, tickets booked and hotels booked for the ACC championship game. Well, that's going to happen. I mean, it would take an absolute disaster for that for that not to be the case. But there, no matter how good you are, you need a little bit of luck. Tiger Woods didn't win 15 majors without a little bit of luck. So, no matter how good Tiger Woods was. Ross Martin, at Ross Martin underscore IC. I appreciate your time, my friend. Have a good weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you later. I right, appreciate it, guys. You got it. Ross Martin from Inside Carolina. Like, there's, there's, there's... Luck, luck matters. Luck is a part of everything. So, 
there, I don't know that there is a sport in which there isn't a measure of luck involved. I don't know a single sport oh, yeah. where, where there isn't some element of, well, that was lucky. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, can you come up with one? Where there isn't? Where there isn't. Oh, no, I can't. I mean, every sport you play. So, Carolina did nothing to cause Duke to make an illegal shift, mm-hmm. get called for an illegal shift, but it happened, so that play didn't count. You could say, or you can argue that the chop block was caused by pressure. wasn't, but if you wanted to you know, stretch it, you could, but these things all happen, and they benefited UNC. And in every sport, you have luck, every single sport. And no matter how good you are, gotta have a little, because there's gonna come. There's going to be a game where you needed it. And if you don't have it, you end up losing. All right, halftime. Right on top of it, Dennis. Time entertainment. I did that for you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Just because I'm back <laughs> for a day. They'll be it, back here it, on Friday too. Oh, really? Look at yeah. this. It just worked out this way. It just it just happened to be this way. Today's only Tuesday. Yeah. It's weird. Okay. I trust you. No, I, I last time I checked, it's Tuesday. You might be right. I hope I'm right. A <laughs> um, couple things, again, in case people that may have missed it, breaking news, Steve Nash fired by the Brooklyn Nets as their head coach. Um, we talked about that a little bit ago. Anyway, just want to throw that out there. Just make sure, in case anyone who may have missed it, Steve Nash fired as head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. We could... There should be a 30 for 30 as to why Steve Nash was hired. Oh, gosh. Yeah. He has as much coaching experience, at least basketball coaching experience, as I do. But he also played in the NBA for a long time. Well, yeah, he did. Um, But I still still don't get it. I don't get it either. Uh, Some sad news that broke this morning. Migos rapper Takeoff, whose real name is uh, Kershnik Kari Ball, uh, was fatally shot in Houston earlier today, age of 28. So he's one of three rappers that make up Vigo's right. group. I, I read the story. They were at a bowling alley mm-hmm. in Houston, some sort of a party. It was somebody's birthday party. I believe so, yeah. Right? And, yeah, just there, two other people were were wounded. Correct. But I think they're going to be okay. Um, I mean, it's just absolutely devastating. Yeah. So, it's too bad. All right, something a little bit of a lighter news. Okay, no firings and unfortunate um, fatalities. So, we know you know, you see, you're supposed to end with the fatality. Yeah, I know, I guess. It was I, poor structure. I know. On your part. I, I You know, it's been a minute since I've done <laughs> halftime entertainment. So, I got one of We were here last week. That's beside that was a that was a month ago, Adam. That was a whole month ago. We're in November now. That's a good point. It's a whole month ago. Um, Amazon, as we know, has Thursday night football. We're seeing them add a Black Friday game in the future That's with right. the NFL. They also have the the viewing rights to one championship MMA promotion. But Amazon Prime Video is now launching as of today their own sports talk studio shows. Again, on Prime Video with a lineup that's going to run from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Now, granted, during that time, there are going to be some 
reruns and highlights of the earlier right. shows oh, in the let day. Me, let me hear the lineup. Oh, I, I actually get to go look up the lineup because I really don't know who any of these people are. All right, look, I'll tell you who they are. Okay, so we have, let's see, kicking off in the mornings, it's uh, Bonjour Sports Talk with Madeline Burke and Ben Lyons. Really? Yeah. Bonjour? Yeah. French? Well, Bonjour French, Sports Talk. French Sports Talk? Yeah, with Madeline Burke and Ben Lyons. They're Excellent. From, then from 10 to noon, it's a replay of Bonjour Sports well, Talk. Well, of course. Why shouldn't it be? Exactly. Then we have the uh, the Kari Champion show from oh, noon Kari to Champion. 2. Oh, Kari Champion. Very Kari good. Champion. Very nice. Uh, then from 2 to 4, Sports Talk Game Breakers with uh, Etan Levine and Drexton Clemens. Oh, yes. They're the, the duo from uh, uh, Belgium. Sure. I'll they take- got French morning show, so yeah, they must be doing a, a Belgian afternoon show. Okay, and then we have from four to five uh, from the desk of Master T with Master uh, Tesfastian. Master T. Yeah. Okay. Is, is any relation to Mister T? I maybe Master P. Potentially, maybe it's a maybe related to both of them. All right. Also from five to six, you have the Power Hour with Renee Stubbs. Of course, because- it's a Power Hour. It has to be. Now, Renee Stubbs did, uh, she's a former tennis player, actually has worked for ESPN. I believe she was the last coach for Serena Williams, who hinted at a comeback. Of course. Did you hear what she said about her comeback? I I saw a headline, but I didn't really actually read much into it. She's like, Tom Brady's a trendsetter. Serena, have you watched how it's gone for Tom? (laughs) It hasn't. (laughs) I would just say... Think twice. Yeah. Think twice about a comeback. And then, let's see, yeah, there's the power hour, but following that is the greatest hour of all time. Gahoot. Get it? <laughs> uh, highlights of the days, for, you know, from the day's programming earlier in the day. Then there's the backup plan from 7 to 8 with uh, Hannah Ostap- Ostapchik and okay. Jason Spells, a combination of highlights from earlier shows and sports and culture talk from the hosts. Perfect. So apparently that starts today. On how, Amazon Prime. How'd Carrie Champion get in the middle of that? I have no idea. Again, I don't know who many of these people are. <laughs> oh, but it's a thing. That's fine. It's uh, it's a thing. I'm I'm curious about uh, Bonjour. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the last the the last show should be uh like a Riverderci. Yeah. I'll 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 take your word on Never that. Mind. Uh, did you guys discuss yesterday how the Big 12 has a new media rights deal? We we did not. Or touch on that a little bit. So they, uh, the big thing is that it's it's a deal with Fox and ESPN for the Big 12. It's going to pay about roughly $380, $380 million annually. Yes. And I think there's, what, is there going to be 12 teams now in the Big 12? Something along those lines. And it's going to run through 2030, 2031, uh, from my understanding. But they did add a clause in there, a pro rata. So if the league does expand they can get more money from the networks. Again, there's been discussions. Mm-hmm. It was reported over the summer that the Big 12 is looking to maybe go after Arizona, Arizona State, Washington, Oregon, Colorado, and Utah. They are going to go. basically poach the Pac-12. Yeah, well, it's going to be tough for the Pac-12 to stay alive. Yeah. It's going to be just, it's just going to be hard. Now, they're only going to have 10 teams as far as we can, you know, venture now, but. I just don't know how much money is out there, but one of the streamers will probably pay a fair amount of money for the secondary rights. Yeah. So I could see ESPN and Amazon, Apple, 
Apple just signed a deal with Major League Soccer. Yeah. To uh, to essentially be the home, Apple TV. So my big know. question with all this is, and I'll, I'll I'll leave it at this. I've said it before. How do you reach casual viewers? What for the for like if you just go strictly to a streaming like MLS or stuff we see with Bally? How do you get your eyes, your product in front of casual viewers to build your fan base? You're counting on the fan base already being there. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't, but that's the thing. I don't know that. See, with Major League Soccer, that's one thing. Yeah. Right. But for a college product, mm-hmm. I think the fan base is baked in. Yeah. Right. I like MLS, or we can use any other fledgling league. You're still trying to cultivate new fans. Yep. I don't think the Pac-12 or whatever and however many they'll have, or any of the other leagues are necessarily trying to cultivate new fans. Mm-hmm. You're just trying... They're At this point, they are just trying to get as extract as much money as they can yeah. from the current system. Uh, but, yeah, it's not about growing a fan base as much as it is presenting to your fan base as many games and ways to watch as possible mm-hmm. that they will pay for. So, but the MLS is a definite. That is my curiosity how it's going to impact. By the way, do you see? Um, this goes back about two weeks. Women's soccer, the NWSL this year, actually had better viewer numbers than Major League Soccer. I can believe it. Obviously, they're getting a lot less money for the NWSL package. Yeah. But they are about to go into negotiations. And viewership numbers speak very highly of what the NWSL could end up becoming. And if they become uh, a league with a pretty good TV package, which brings in a lot more money, and they can keep a lot... Like, if you go and look at some of the women's teams playing in the the, uh, the Women's Champions League over uh, over in Europe... Like, there's a lot of Americans playing over there mm-hmm. because they're getting more money to play there. Yeah. If you keep, I actually think this is the better league, but there's the, the pockets aren't as deep here as they are there. So if you can start paying more money here, it's going to skyrocket. Oh, yeah. And you'll I, see this league expand, too. Yeah. I, I, I won't get into my thoughts on on. The NWSL's lack of promoting how you can find their product. Well, they're uh, they just had their championship game. They did, Portland. but I watched that, a little bit of it. Yeah, long term. I yeah. Anyway, I, I can get into that at a later Uh-oh. time. Have a rant on that. Seems to be an issue. It is because uh, I don't think they do a good job of actually promoting how you can watch their product. All right, I'm, uh, wait, I'm waiting for something. But anyway, last thing here, real fast and real fast. And t- today's super weird news. A man in Idaho broke a Guinness World Record by using a samurai sword to chop through 56 airborne apples while bouncing on a pogo stick. That's right. According to a report from UPI.com, David Rush, who has broken more than 250 Guinness World Records. I'm wondering if that's actually a world record for world records. Um, Anyway, (laughs) he's doing this. He's done these world records to promote STEM education. Good. Uh, But he captured the title for most apples sliced in one minute while on a pogo stick. That's right. His neighbor threw 74 apples in the 60-second time period. 
and Rush connected actually on 63 of them, but 56 were considered sliced evenly to count towards the record. So you need to slice them evenly or it doesn't yeah, count? I, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you're like just grazing like, you know, just a little piece of the skin off actually counts. You have to actually like cut through them. So he bounced well, on a pogo to, You have stick. to get the core. Yeah, basically. You don't get the core, it doesn't count. Yeah, I think that's basically how it a works. A seed has to fly out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Otherwise, it doesn't count. But yeah. What uh, kind of apples? Do we know what kind of apples? I hope red delicious because they're disgusting. Terrible. The worst apples. Macintosh aren't good either. Yeah, but yeah, he, uh, he bounced on a pogo stick for 60 seconds to use a samurai sword to chop apples that were flying in the air. What's the, what's the Guinness Book of World? What's the Guinness World Record for... Uh, bouncing on a pogo stick and folding laundry. Did we, I'm sure we have that. I'm sure he said it. I'm sure it's one of the <laughs> 250 world records that he has. Like how? How? Yeah. Can you fold a fitted sheet in 60 seconds while no. bouncing on a pogo? stick? Nobody can fold a fitted sheet. That's also true. It's impossible. All right. Uh, <laughs> hey, nothing comic book related today. You're welcome. I I was surprised. I'm kind of disappointed. You wait till Friday. How do I get no comic book? Wait till Friday. What do you mean wait till Friday? I got no comic book. It's called a tease, Adam. We should have had a comic book. Are you ready for the big game? At The Designery, we can help you arrange your kitchen in the perfect way to feed everyone coming over for the big game. I'm Dana Merrill, the owner of The Designery in North Raleigh. And I am True Merrill. I am the project manager. The Designery is a lovely kitchen, bath, and closet remodeling company. We do pretty much any of the utility spaces in your house. If you want to store things in your cabinets, if you want to work on things on your countertops, if you want to uh, have a floor that can get wet or muddy, we're the place to help help you fix your home up. We are the Designery North Raleigh, located at 3030 Wake Forest Road in the Holly Park Plaza. We would love to see you or visit our website at thedesignery.com. College football playoff fake ranking show. This is the first of, I believe, five fake shows. Because I, I think there are, are there five Tuesdays in November? Sure. I think we have five Tuesdays in November. We do. Uh, and then, of course, we have that Tuesday and then the last Sunday. Uh, the Sunday of Thanksgiving weekend, I believe. Or, no, it's the following weekend is the championship uh, championship games or the day after the championship games. And that's when we find out who goes where. Uh, so, when they announce it tonight, what will where will Clemson be? Actually, I have not seen the results of our poll yet. If I had to guess, I would say number five is probably the winner, uh, but I will go check it out. Um, but I believe that Ohio State will be number one. Doesn't mean I think Ohio State is the best team, but I think they will be number one. I think Georgia will be two. I think Tennessee will be three. I think Michigan will be four. So that's two SEC and two Big Ten teams. Clemson, five. Alabama six. That's the way I think it will go. Do you have a do you have a do you want to venture a guess, Dennis? I think the answer to that is no. No. You don't really want to venture a guess. Uh look, here's the thing. I'm not really sure there are great arguments against a top four. The only argument you could make, honestly, is Clemson over Michigan. Yeah. Based on, well, first of all, Ohio State is Ohio State. Yeah. 
And I'm not even arguing that they're not the best team. I'm not saying that. They haven't really beaten anybody that good. The best win, they just had it. Yeah, Penn State on Penn the road. Penn State on the road. Uh, and I'm willing to say that Penn State's a good team. I'm, I mean, I don't, I don't yeah. think they're all that good, but I'm willing to say it's a good team. That's fine. They're fine. Road game, Happy Valley, 90-some-odd thousand crazy people, uh, probably colder than they anticipated because that that's what Happy Valley is. So I get it. Best win belongs to Tennessee mm-hmm. over Alabama. Second best win belongs to Georgia. Yeah. The blowout to open the season against Oregon. After that, what's Clemson's best win? Wake on the road. Good win, right? Would have been a lot better had Wake Forest not vomited on their own shoes in turning it over eight times against Louisville. Yeah. I mean, if Wake is an under, you know a one-loss team that's ranked eighth in the country, it's a completely different animal. Uh, but ultimately, Michigan has, Michigan beat Penn State. That's their other best win. And their non-conference schedule is horrendous. One of the worst, if not the worst, in Power 5 football. So I think that's the only real argument that at the top three are going to be Ohio State, Georgia, Tennessee in some order. And it's either Michigan or Clemson at number four. I mean, theoretically, you could put TCU at number four. TCU and Clemson both have the most wins over ranked teams, if that even matters. And mm-hmm. I'm not even sure it does. I just it's it's just that's like a fact. Like TCU has a, a a bunch of wins over teams that are ranked, because there are a bunch of teams from the Big Twelve that they've already played that are ranked. Okay, I get it. Um, that doesn't mean that they're one of the top four teams, but they're gonna. I'll be surprised if they're in the top five. Because they're TCU. Yeah. And if the same, you put the same record on Texas or Oklahoma, they're probably in the top five. But that's just the way it goes. Uh, but I am I am curious how this whole thing is going to look. But ultimately, it doesn't matter. Let's place bets. Place your bets. Place your bets. Do we? I bet you slice into the woods a hundred bucks. Gambling is illegal at Bushwood, sir, and I never slide. Yeah. Okay, you can owe me. I owe you. All right, Dennis Cox. Okay. What what are you at, by the way? Uh, I'm still at a solid plus fifteen fifty. Very solid. Yes. Doing quite well for myself. I'm actually going to do a two-game NBA parlay to start things off. Right. Suns over the Timberwolves. Warriors over the Heat, plus 210. Very nice. I lost both of mine yesterday. Okay. I had both of the teams I had. Uh, I had home underdogs, and they both had Charlotte, and I had Washington, and they both lost. So, it's not, I'm not, my parlay My parlay game has been off. Been off lately. I got a, we got World Series stuff tonight, right? That's right. There is a World Series Let's tonight. Lo- hopefully. Let's load up on some baseball, shall we? Do it. All right. Give me the uh, the Phillies to lead the Astros through five innings, but Houston to win the game, plus 1,300. Oh. Okay. I see where you're going with here. Give me Bryce Harper hitting a home run, plus 450. Bryce Harper to homer, plus 450. That's uh, very good. Uh, I have a different Philly to homer. Oh, tonight. Okay. I mean, Nick Castellanos to Homer at plus 500. Okay. 
I mean, why not? Nick Castellanos, he's allowed to homer, right? Yeah, why not? I don't see any reason why he's actually. Like, not I see him right now at plus seven fifty to hit a home. Then run. I like that better. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah I'll I'm, cross I'm, out I'm, the five hundred and go seven fifty. Yeah, so I'll give you those odds. How about that? Very nice. Uh, take that all day. Uh, a little Champions League action. Yep. Because why not? Give me. I don't know. Liverpool's playing Napoli today, which I think actually probably be a pretty good game. But give me Liverpool to win, and give me Bayern Munich to beat Inter Milan. Don't parlay those two together. Don't do the same thing I'm I'm doing. Oh, you're doing the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm I am so mad at Liverpool. Okay. Anyway, it's plus one seventy. Like seriously, you realize Liverpool took on the last two Premier League matches, played teams that are in. The drop zone in relegation zone, and they lost both of them, including Leeds at Anfield. I have no time right now, <laughs> no time for Jurgen Klopp's team. So, as a matter of fact, give me Napoli plus two sixty-five on the road to rub it in. I've at plus two seventy-five showing here. I'll take Napoli plus two seventy-five <laughs> on the road. I'm gonna, I'll buy a Liverpool win. They'll probably draw nil-nil. They've been an embarrassment. An absolute utter embarrassment. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Yeah, I'm serious. They just—it's been—it's been a catastrophe. It's been a rough—it's been a rough go for Liverpool. They're a mid-table club. That is all they are—a mid-table club right now. So I'll never give, give me alone. Napoli. You never walk alone, Adam. My friend Mike DeCourcy is rolling over in his car. I don't know. <laughs> Nowhere. I have no idea where he is. Spoke to him yesterday, but it's been a rough go for—been a rough go for Liverpool. This is the Adam Gold Show.